She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 14. Genderbender. So Tori, there are some things that need to be said for this episode, and I think I'm going to let you say them, because I tend to say things unintentionally bad sometimes. <laughs> okay. So just a quick heads up, this episode does deal a little bit with some trans representation and we're going to be discussing that and so there's like a minor trigger warning for transphobia and before we start i would just like to say that trans women are women trans men are men and non-binary people are non-binary and everyone is valid i am a woman in the queer community but i am cisgender and so i'm approaching this the best way i know how to and i'm gonna try my best yes and i agree except for i am not a queer I am a a, a white cisgender male straight. I am a I am a straight. I am a I am a see I can't even talk. See, I don't even know what order to put things in. That's okay. I am I am a straight cisgender male in a society that is basically dominated by straight white cisgendered male men. So yeah. So there's that. But yes. So that's where we're coming from. Yes. So let's get into the episode. Yes, let's get into it. So this episode was written by Larry Barber and Paul Barber. It was directed by Rob Bowman. It was filmed in Vancouver, Langley, and Steveston, British Columbia. The original air date was Friday, January 21st, 1994. And the previous week, on Friday, January 14th, they had aired a rerun of Ghost in the Machine. And then on Monday, January 17th, 1994, Fox reared both Pilot and Ice as kind of like a back-to-back Monday night special. And they aired Pilot at 8 p.m. And then at 9 p.m. they aired Ice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So the viewership for Genderbender was 11.1 million in the United States. And just for the sake of more facts, when Ghost in the Machine had the repeat on the 14th of January, it had about 8 million viewers. And then on that Monday, when Pilot and Ice were both rerun, they almost had their exact viewerships from their original runs, which were 12 and 10 million. So they had 11.5 and 9.5, respectively, on those repeats. Nice. And then for the record, we finally get Pilot rerun after they've rerun three, four, two, five, and seven in that order for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes six episodes to finally rerun the first episode, but. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is also Rob Bowman's first director duty on the X-Files, but he becomes like a heavy duty director for the X-Files, like up through season seven. I think he directs, I'm trying to remember now what the exact, it's in the thirties. Like I want to say 35, but I don't remember if that includes this episode or not, but he directs a lot of X-Files episodes as we move on. Oh, nice. So, but Larry Barber and Paul Barber are much like the team that wrote Eve they are first-time and only-time writers. So right. they, are, they are outsiders who basically just contributed a script to Chris Carter. Yes. So what is this episode about? In this episode, there's a series of mysterious deaths where it appears the victims may have died due to an excessive exposure to hormones. And Mulder traces the suspect to a mysterious cult that lives in the woods and eschews modern technology. 
The suspect is equally mysterious because both a man and a woman have been seen in proximity to the crime scene, so they can't really tell who the suspect is. And they don't know, like, is it aliens or is there just some sex-crazed killer on the loose? I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say both. I mean, maybe. Who knows? Could be. I mean, there's no reason an alien couldn't be a sex-crazed killer. That's very true. Yeah. They're always probing stuff. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we are in a crowded nightclub and people are dancing and there's lights. And there's like, you know, I mean, it's like it's TV nightclub. So there's people in cages and there's like stairwells for people to hide behind and all kinds of stuff. Right. It's like a probably a warehouse party. I guess we're probably supposed to assume it's a rave or something. So there's we see this eyeball like watching people. Mm-hmm. You know, we get and the lights are reflecting in the eyeball. And a man is talking to a woman at the bar, and the woman is like definitely not interested in the dude and like walks off. And so the guy's kind of like, oh, whatever. So he's walking around and he goes over to like this horoscope machine. I mean, like put money in and get your horoscope. And he's putting money, and a woman comes up to him and like looks at him and he kind of just like like he's not interested in her and so he kind of like goes back to the machine and then she puts her hand on his hand and then starts putting up to his face and is rubbing his hand and then he totally like is totally into her and kisses her and she whispers something to him and then we cut to a bedroom scene and they're having what we assume is sex in the bed although she's still wearing like a nightgown i don't know that a lot of people have sex with nightgowns on but whatever like a negligee i guess you would say yeah and so they finish and she gets up and goes into the bathroom and the man's like oh my god that was so incredible like you know i don't even know your name he's like just totally like he is apparently amazed and it's like you know can you hear me can you hear me she's standing there watching and then he starts coughing and then he's like oh he can't breathe and he starts like totally like going into like distress and he falls back on the bed and then he's like, oh, and it looks like there's blood coming out of his nose, but then also like this pink foam like bubbles up out of his mouth. Yeah. Like, and we've been kind of cutting back and forth to like the woman that he was with, like just standing like in almost like in silhouette. Like we can see a little bit of her, but mostly like in silhouette in the bathroom. And then we get a close up of her face and then we pan down as she's like removing her like negligee sort of thing. So we kind of see her slipping it off the shoulder. And then as we get down like the legs, it drops on the floor and then we see feet, but they don't look like lady feet. And then they step out of the negligee and walk and they don't look like lady legs. And then they start grabbing the guy's clothes and putting them on. And we pan it back up to the head and it's definitely a dude putting on, the dead person's clothing right and then we get the theme song yes so we'll get into this later but it's definitely like a super transphobic trope where like the trans woman is not an actual woman and is like tricking men into believing that she's a woman but is like secretly a man and obviously like i get this person is meant to be a shifter but still, it's it's pretty problematic. So I was yeah, like, yeah, I do. I, I'm going to admit, and then this is where, like, I need to be careful what I'm saying because of what we said in the beginning. But I'm not sure I really get a lot of the like, there is definitely some problems with the storyline of this and how oh, yeah. things are dealt with. And specifically, like things that characters say, because it's 1993, things that characters say and like intentions of characters when they say certain things. But I do have some issues with like 
it being like a transphobic thing because this is like you said this is definitely like a shape shifting thing right well it's, it's just not, the trope that like yeah. and, and, and it I becomes it. clearer later and and i think that's why it's made because it it play and that's the that's the bad part is that it's it's written that way to play on people's fears of that and so i think that's where yeah yeah like it's like so like i agree and i disagree because it's like i We'll get into it more later, but yes. Right, it is an alien, but yeah. at the same time, it is kind of like, mm, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a problem cool. because those are things that we use to discriminate and like other people, yeah, gender and skin color and nationality. And so, like, you know, if there were people who could change gender and wanted to have sex with whoever they want to have sex with, and then of course, you know, why you need to change gender to have sex with a man or a woman? I don't know. That's another problem that this story has. Right. But it's yes. like it's the the problem really is that the people use those to discriminate. It's yeah. not that people are that. Well, way. and at the end we'll talk about like disclosure, which is a great documentary. But like, it's also like the fact that there just is so little representation that any representation, like if most of the representation is like this, then it causes a problem because right. it creates this narrative. Right, and especially in. <laughs> like i mean it's it, you know now definitely there's more awareness but especially back in 1993 so, yeah and that does come up in some of the language that is used in the yeah so. for all things there's some other queer issues in here too that are yeah, kind of yeah, not handled yeah, def- well yeah definitely yes yeah and that's <laughs> so, and that's kind of what i was getting to with like the why would you need to change gender to right have, like you yeah, wouldn't so. you can just have sex with two different genders or all genders and it yeah. doesn't matter what your gender is it, if that's what you're into exactly because that shouldn't make a difference if that's your thing. But anyway. Yeah, we keep saying we're going to talk to it at, about it at the end and then we're still talking yeah, about well, it's it. Just, it's going to keep coming up because it is yes. highly problematic. And literally like this, I watched that scene because you had mentioned that, oh, it was more about an alien cult. And I was like, oh, maybe this will be really cool. And it won't be this, <laughs> it won't be horrible. And then that's the first scene. And I was just like, ooh. Yeah, oh, I do have to say like, oh. we, so before we get back into <laughs> the, the theme song and we get back to this, like one more thing is that like, we both coming into this were like, this is going to be bad. Yeah. Just, just, by, like, <laughs> just based the, on the title. Just based on the title and the yeah. assumptions of like the title and it's written in 1993, right? Right. And it's written by a bunch of what straight we assume white dudes. Is we straight assume. white dudes. Exactly, right? And we were like, this is going to be bad. And <laughs> I read a little summary in one of the books that I had, like just kind of like skimming because obviously we had been looking at the previous episode and it was on the next page. And the summary that I read was it made it it made it sound more like what you just said like it's a group of aliens and one goes rogue and is a killer spoiler so and i was like oh that sounds better and then i started (laughs) reading like some stuff like your summary and looking at some other stuff and i'm like oh no it's gonna no it's not like that it's like what we thought it was gonna be yeah but i'm actually more i'm actually more back in the other camp now okay yeah so we'll just i'm not but that's okay like the cool thing about this podcast is that we can watch it and have like totally different perspectives on an episode so yes we'll get back to the episode (laughs) yep and this will keep coming up so you know hey yep so theme song is over boom song the truth is out there created by chris carter (laughs) and so we get to a crime scene and we're in germantown maryland um, which is outside washington dc and we're in the dead man's bedroom so this is the crime scene And the officer tells Scully that this man had come home with a woman, but then the security cameras show him coming home with a woman, and then they only see a man leaving on the security camera, and they don't see the woman leave. So they don't know where she went or how she got out. She's obviously not still there. 
And Scully asked if it could have been a mistake, like maybe it was the woman and the camera just, you know, I mean, security cameras aren't awesome. Maybe it's the woman. And the officer's like, no, this guy was like taller and heavier and there's no way it was the same person because they just had different builds completely. Meanwhile, Mulder's examining the body, which is still in the room. And the officer says the cause of death was a blown artery. I put in my notes in the lung because I assumed that it was like, like some kind of aneurysm in the lung because the pink foam, because that just means that you're like aspirating up like blood and stuff. So that's what pink foam means. So I assumed it was in the lung. Also, there's been no autopsy yet. So I'm not entirely sure how they are sure of the cause of death, but that's cool. Maybe it's just obvious. (laughs) Well, uh, death by pink foam. Yeah. And Scully's like, well, you know, I can't imagine having sex with a stranger in this day and age, which obviously is the AIDS crisis and stuff. So that's still going on. And maybe Scully's a prude. We don't know. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, Or maybe, you know, maybe she just doesn't want to sleep with strangers, which is also okay. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, you know, maybe she's just letting her personal beliefs go into her job. Who knows? So the man seen exiting wore the victim's clothes and he carried his briefcase out the door. So he had been in the apartment. They don't know what happened to the woman, but the man clearly was there. And Scully's confused as to why they've been given this case at all, because it's just like a weird, mysterious death, but it definitely doesn't feel like an X-File. And the officer's like, well, someone at the bureau put in a memo asking to be called whenever a case like this came up. And I guess we can bet who someone is. Yes, because while Scully is talking to the detective, Mulder has been like examining the body and scraping some of the pink foam off the dude's mouth and everything. And he's like, yeah. okay, thanks for the call. See ya, bye. <laughs> yeah. So he like, they, because he says like someone owes a memo, like if anything happens with these exact parameters. So like, you right, know, this is an MO and details and what have you. Yeah. So, and I was confused at first because they're talking about like, this is like a 30 story apartment building. And they're like, oh, well, like the security camera showed like the guy go in with the girl and then like a man go out and like we never saw the man go in and we never saw the woman leave. And I'm like, it's a 30 story apartment building. Like no one else is going to come and go in an apartment building. But I guess it's actually it's a security camera like right outside his door. Yeah. So it's in the room itself. So it's very specific. So I was like, oh, OK, because I went back and watched it. because I was like, wait a minute. Didn't he just say? And I was like, oh, no, he said the security monitor outside the room. So. So then we cut to what we're assuming is Mulder's office at the FBI in Washington, D.C. We don't get the cool little thing saying where we're at. I'm confused. I don't know where I am. Mulder <laughs> just has a slide projector. Anyway, so he's showing Scully images of other victims who died the same way. Two women and now three men altogether, counting the most recent one. They're all young and otherwise healthy. And they've got like, like some horrific like sex scratches on their bodies as well in addition to just being like dead so definitely into it there and Mulder says all the victims had died of a massive coronary arrest Scully asked if it's some kind of drug maybe there's some new drug on the market like some you know some some party drug and Mulder's like oldest drug ever made they've got high amounts of pheromones in their systems but these pheromones are like a hundred times stronger than any pheromones found in nature and they're possibly strong enough to cause like anaphylactic shock or coronaries. So it's almost like they had like an re- allergic reaction possibly that caused the coronary, which is why they die. And also the pheromones have human DNA in them. So they get into a huge discussion about whether pheromones like humans can do pheromone, da, 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 science, science, science. And Mulder happens to mention 
that the guy must be a real smooth operator to get these victims. And Scully points out like, well, we don't know that it's a guy, right? We've got female victims and we've got male victims. We don't know who we're looking for. It could be anybody. So they don't specify that non-binary is an option or anything. She does say could be a person of any sex as opposed to any gender. So again, we're getting like, you know, just, words being used but like we don't know height we don't know weight we don't know anything about them so right and so this is where a little bit of like biphobia comes in because like you can just assume a man could sleep with anyone (laughs) it doesn't have to be yeah a man and a woman or like whatever so like that doesn't even occur as an option yeah i would say uh, it might not even be biphobia it might just be like you know in your circles like I don't know any people who do that. So why would that even be an option for me to right. put in the script? So, yeah. Well, and I'm sure that the dudes who wrote it, that's the case. But like yeah. in terms of just representation and like lack right. of acknowledgement, that is a thing that happens a lot is by people get erased pretty frequently. Yes. So anyway, that was just something that I noticed and other people have noticed who've commented on this episode. Yep. We also get a nice little throwback at least for me it was a throwback because when they're talking about like they don't know like you know the well escalates it's the sex but they don't know the gender they don't know what the person looks like height weight any of that stuff and Mulder's like yep it's a puzzle and he just kind of <laughs> smiles and it's like a little throwback to ghost in the machine when we're talking about like scruffy minds and how scruffy minds love puzzles because he's all like it's a puzzle and he's all excited that it's a puzzle so <laughs> Yeah. Mulder does like a good puzzle. He's definitely he does. I, oh, Well, and we can guess from his office that he is a scruffy mind. Oh, yes. So, yeah. So Mulder adds that the killer appears to be moving south, and he has, like, a little map that shows where the first victim, like, all the victims were found. Yeah, and he's got a slide one, projector and an overhead projector as well, because he's, like, circling on, like, a on a transparency <laughs> on the map on his little overhead yeah. projector as well. I mean, he's he's got his materials. Mulder's yep. a prepared guy. He, he raided the high school AV closet <laughs> and he is set. Yes. So the first victim was found about a year ago near a colony. Like it was in a city, but it was like near a colony um, where this group known as the Kindred live. And they're kind of in like rural, is it Massachusetts or Maryland? They're somewhere up uh, there. Massachusetts, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And they're a religious sect that eschew technology, electricity, kind of like the Amish and they make handmade stoneware with this white clay they mine out of the hills themselves. And that's kind of what they're known for is like this white stoneware. And Mulder has found traces of that clay on the latest victim. And that clay doesn't appear anywhere else. So like, this is the only place you can get it. So he basically is like, there is some connection to this like religious sect. That's some and super this- Batman work right there. And they're also known for like their abstinence and like quote unquote, pure Christian ways. <laughs> Yeah, according to Scully. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Mulder still thinks that the killer is comes from there. Yeah. And so, yes, Massachusetts, because now we're in Steveston, Massachusetts, which Germantown, Maryland is a real town, but Steveston, Massachusetts is not. Although Steveston's British Columbia is, because that's right. where some of this was filmed. <laughs> I so, wonder where they got the name. Yeah, I wonder. So Mulder and Scully drive up to a small town in Massachusetts known as Steveston, Massachusetts, because it tells us on the screen that it's Steveston, Massachusetts, uh, near where the kindred colony live. And they stop in an antique shop, and there's a woman there, and they tell them they're FBI agents, and they're investigating a murder, and she's like, no one's been killed here. And then this dude comes out from, like, the back, and because Mulder asked about the kindred, 
and he comes out and he's like, Oh, they tend to keep to themselves, but they've got like photos on the wall. And so the, some of the photos are missing and the photos on the wall there, the man tells Mulder they're from actually the 1930s. And when Mulder notices them are missing, he's like, Oh, I'm getting them reframed, but the photos are right here. And so Mulder looks at those, looks at the ones on the wall. And the shopkeeper tells them that like, they don't like strangers and the road is really rough to get there. And also they don't like to be photographed, which is why like the photos are from the 1930s. Although I guess, I think the ones that are being reframed are actually more modern photos. I didn't understand that part there because anyway, but anyway, we get the idea that they don't like to be photographed. Right. And that it's really hard to get to where they live because the road is all jacked up. Apparently just like, horses and carts can go there i don't know that seemed to be hard for horses and carts too but as they're talking the man is like starting to show them on a map like where the colony is a horse-drawn cart starts coming down the street and he's like oh that's them right now they usually shop at the feed store i have to say when he first said this i thought he said they usually shop at steve's store (laughs) in steveston massachusetts (laughs) So I was like, what's Steve's store? Is he like a competitor or something? Is this no, guy bitter about it? But like, he's, he's no, it's just who, the feed store. He's the guy who owns the town. That's why it's Steveston. <laughs> but it was just the feed store. So I had to, like, my original note said Steve's store. Yeah, Steve. <laughs> Steve and his, I own the town. Yeah. And so the, anyway. The kindred shop here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then we go outside and Mulder follows the group inside the store. And Scully hangs out on the sidewalk. And there's like a lone kindred member who's left like mind of the horses and so Scully walks up and like pets the horse or one of the horses. And I think it's a, think it's a single horse. And cart. is it a single horse? I, I think it's a single tell. horse. Yeah. I think it's like a, another I, one. If I remember correctly, it's, it's a single horse. Yeah. So she pets the horse and she starts asking about it and like, does it like the asphalt? Has it ever like had problems with its horseshoes or anything? And the kindred man just kind of like doesn't respond and looks away. And finally, Scully's like, what's the horse's name? And the man finally relents and says, Alice. And Scully's like, oh, that's a nice name. And then he's like, you know, I'm not allowed to talk outside. And Scully introduces herself anyway. She says, hi, I'm Dana Scully. And like puts out her hand and he shakes her hand. And they have this weird, like awkward exchange. Like it's totally silent. They just kind of look at each other. And well, it's not totally silent because we got cool music. That's yeah, like there's wind music. chimes and like, and the dude's like kind of like rubbing her hand with his thumb. Yeah, and Scully starts getting like slightly flushed and yeah. And then the others come back out and he like yanks his hand back, and we learn he's brother Andrew because one of the men is like brother Andrew, get on the cart or whatever, stop talking yep. to that woman. Yep. And Scully looks kind of weirded out and a little dazed, and then they pull their cart away and she says. There's something up there, Mulder. And Mulder says, ooh, I've been saying that for years. And I thought that was literally the best moment in this entire episode and the best lines. Because, like, there's something up there. Mulder's like, yeah, I've been saying that. Obviously, he means aliens. She means yeah. up in the colony. Well, when he, when he follows, because he's like, the, I don't, there were men on the cart. But Mulder follows a bunch of kindred women into the store. But I don't remember seeing the women on the cart. So I'm not sure continuity wise what's going on there but like as he's getting ready to go into the store he's like talks he turns to scully he's like you need anything from the feed store like and like 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 playing like he's got like hay in his mouth or something like he's all like you know like a hillbilly or something i thought that was kind of funny and then the kindred obviously don't have anything against buttons because we do get the scene before scully walks up that one of the women who again i don't remember seeing them on the cart i don't remember seeing them in but that's probably just my memory like buttons andrew's shirt because i guess his shirt was not buttoned properly so she like goes over and buttons his coat 
So, right. Because Amish people don't like buttons. Hmm. But the kindred got no problem. At least, at least that's what I know from Amish Paradise is that they don't like buttons. So. Yeah, Amish Paradise is about <laughs> what I know about the Amish. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's about well, the that, extent. That and witness. Yeah. Yeah. The poor Amish. Yeah, their representation is not good either. <laughs> no. Well, the Amish Paradise is an awesome song. Yeah. So. But as we'll find out later, the Amish people don't watch television, so it's okay. You can talk about them all you want. <laughs> Bum, bum. All right, moving on. <laughs> All right. So Scully and Mulder drive up the, or like drive, basically driving up a mountain, and they have to stop because like the car can't go any further because it's like all dirt and mountain and stuff, right? Trees. And, and it's whatever. like a sedan too. It's not yeah. like a yeah. They're in the stand- <laughs> They're in the standard like rental car they normally have, right? Right. And Mulder actually comments like, "Oh, if, you know, like my kingdom for a four wheel drive or something." And so he's got the map the shopkeeper gave him. And so they're walking and it says, well, we got about a mile to go. So they decide to walk. And then it turns out they're like totally lost because Scully's like, how much further? And he's like, well, according to this map, we should actually be here. So he crumples it up and kicks it. Litterbug, Mulder, but Scully catches it in the air. And then as she catches it, they like turn around and like all these kindred people just like like start coming out from the trees. Choo, 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 and they're surrounded by kindred people. And they're like, we're FBI agents. We're here to investigate a murder. Scully's like, can you like please stand back? Like, don't get so close, please. And so the they tell them they can't proceed any further without giving up their guns. Their guns aren't welcome. And then one of the one of the female members comes out and she's sister Abby. She introduces herself, sister Abby, and she invites them to come pray with them. And that as a group, they would never harm anyone. And they have nothing to do with anything that happens in the outside world. So, you know, you're looking for the wrong people, but if they want to follow, they have to relinquish their guns first. And so they finally agree to do that. They do only give up their clips though. Cause I'm like, dude, you're not going to give up your whole gun to a bunch of creepy people. Right. But, or possibly creepy people, I should say. <laughs> so, but they do just hand over the clips. Although you gotta assume they've got like backups, like in you know, you would hope so. Pants or something. You wouldn't just be walking around with a, a gun with one clip, but maybe they do. But yeah, so they hand over the clips and proceed with the kindred colony. Yeah. So the kindred colony looks like something out of a period film, or anytime you see like an Amish colony on TV, like. There's a barn, there's men in the fields that are like tending the wheat and there are like rustic fences and women hanging laundry on clotheslines and men chopping wood and everyone's dressed kind of like a pilgrim and it's all very like rustic, old timey, uh, whatever. And they bring Mulder and Scully inside this house and they invite them to sit down at the dining table and there's like this really long dining table. In a very small room. Yeah, it's like shoved in this room and it barely fits and so then yeah. they like get in everyone sits down and then there are other kindred people who are like bringing stuff to the table who are like serving them i guess i don't know maybe they take turns i don't know how that works and Mulder and scully say they have photos of a man and a woman who may be connected to a murder or may have committed a murder and they kind of want them to look at the photos and say like do you recognize this person and abby's like photos aren't allowed here and Mulder and scully keep pushing on and they ask like has anyone left the colony recently a man who's at the head of the table, I guess his name is Brother Wilson, just basically freaks out and yells. He's like, you're not welcome here. And <laughs> he gets called out by Abby for being angry, like anger is not tolerated in their colony. And then there's a man who's like coughing and he's been coughing the whole time, but like he starts actually choking 
and his name is brother Aaron and Scully, we know he's a doctor. So she like gets up and is like going to go over and help him because he's choking. And they're like, no, we don't need your help and like drag him away. And Scully's super just like, what is going on here? Yeah. So then we cut to a nightclub scene again. And there's a young man. He's like scanning the crowd. He's dressed pretty nice. And he finds this woman standing against the wall. And he asks her to dance. And she's like, yeah, no, not interested. But he like grabs her hand. And she's like, hey, you know, I'm not really interested. But he like starts rubbing her hand. And then he asks her one more time, like, hey, one more dance. And she's like, yeah, just like, okay. (laughs) And then we see them walk out onto the dance floor. Right. And I put this in my notes later. But like, it's obvious now, like, it's kind of rapey like i mean obviously these people aren't consenting there there's something going on that's like pheromony yeah, yeah. it's, it's but like, yeah it's definitely like against your it's like a, it's like it basically it's like a date rape drug sort yeah, of yeah basically i mean there's no yeah. consent because these people are not interested and then like they basically get drugged by whatever this guy's got in his system and like yeah yeah not happy anyway <laughs> so then we get back to the colony Mulder and Scully are given lanterns and basically told you have to follow your path back to the car. They kind of show them where the path is and just, you know, they follow it. They'll get back to where they parked. And as they're walking back, Mulder's like, you know, I think this whole simple life thing is an act. There's something else going on here. And the man who choked kind of choked right on cue because they were asking lots of questions and like Mulder and Scully were giving answers, but they weren't getting anything back. And then the guy like chokes and that like, causes them to get kicked out basically he also points out there's no children anywhere which is super weird for this like community that's supposedly self-sustained there are no kids and Scully's like yeah I thought that was weird too and Mulder swears he recognizes some of the faces that were at the table from those 1930s photos so they look exactly the same and they do mention like obviously if they're related they might look similar but still it's kind of odd that they look identical to these yeah people. scully says they've probably been inbreeding like scully. right well i mean it's like, one colony it's i mean i get it people. yeah but like, oh my god if they are having kids there's not a huge gene yeah. pool there so they t- basically Mulder's like no there's something wrong here and so he turns off his lantern and scully does the same thing and then they double back to the colony yeah so one i hope they got their clips back from their guns we never see them, like, like, <laughs> like we see them handing them the lanterns and like go and like we don't get the clips back but also those are like some cool spooky orange halloween lanterns because like the glow is just like like the whole scene is just like black and orange black and orange everywhere and we get more of that visual later in the episode as well just like the the black from the shadows in the night and then the all the lights are like orange light not like just normal like you know what you would think of like you know like that yellowy candlelight kind of thing so boulder still got his sunflower seed so like as he's telling her like he's gonna go back he's like cracking off some sunflower seeds so he would be like the worst serial killer anywhere because he would like be leaving like sunflower seeds all over the place with his dna on them yeah i saw that and then i was like wait <laughs> is he eating a sunflower seed and yeah, then i was like no yeah i think no, he, he just totally keeps was. like like he must keep like just loose sunflower seeds in like his coat pocket <laughs> not even like in a bag just like you just like pour sunflower seeds into his he pocket. probably has one of those like travel sack packs you know maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah anyway so they go back and the whole community of the kindred is going into a barn and again we get that cool like because nighttime like really nice shadows and black and the orange light within the barn they're all carrying the orange lanterns they go into the barn the doors close 
to really cool scenes. Very, like cinematography wise, that is a very cool scene. And so Mulder and Scully kind of sneak up and they're looking at the barn. The barn isn't very, you know, weatherproof because you can like totally look through all the slats in the wood. And so they're watching what's going on and they're all in there chanting and moving around the man who choked earlier, who looks unconscious or maybe dead. And he has like paint on his forehead, like a white stripe down his middle of his forehead and then i think like dots along the side or something but he's got like paint yeah. on his head paint or and then, clay yeah paint or clay but it's like white and then i mm-hmm. think the other one i think the dots are a different color but like it's definitely like a white stripe down the middle of his forehead and then some of the horses start like winning and getting unsettled and so the horses are like between like scully and Mulder outside horses inside and then kindred in the center of the barn so the horses are kind of between the kindred and Mulder and scully so when the horses start winning it's not so much that they're doing it because Mulder and scully are there but just because you know there's lights and people are chanting and moaning and what have you and so they start making noise and so like some of them like look that way and so they're like whoa but like no one sees them and so they do their little ceremony and they all exit the barn and they put the body like in a cellar or something like walked it over to the to a cellar and so Mulder's like i need to go see what's inside that cellar so he goes inside and Scully watches from outside on the boards and we see Mulder open the door and he goes into the cellar and then someone grabs Scully's shoulder. Boom. Scares her. She's like, Oh, very quiet. She didn't like shriek though. Like you think would be like in a horror movie. She would like shriek, but she doesn't, which is good. Cause then everyone knows she was there. It turns out his brother, Andrew, the man she spoke to in town. And he tells her that she should come with him because he can give her information. And so she does. <laughs> Okay, that's a good idea, Scully. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with maybe she's a little affected by his pheromones already. Maybe. Maybe she's got some residuals going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and later we do kind of see that that might be the case. Because yes. there's, there's a part later where she reacts and he hasn't touched her at all. So, But we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. No. So this part that kind of goes back and forth a lot. Yeah. Uh, so it basically goes back and forth between Mulder and Scully. Yep. So Mulder's traveling through these tunnels because the cellar like opens up to these little like cave tunnels that are like dug out yep. to where like the cellar is. And so like he's kind of walking through them and then like gets into this kind of cavernous area and there's like water dripping down like stalactites and like everything's kind of white and wet, like maybe like clay. And at the end of the tunnel, he hears voices and he peers around the corner and he sees a bunch of kindred are like standing and muttering And then it cuts to a small room where Andrew's with Scully and he's like, I know who's committing the murders. It's brother Martin. And apparently Martin was his best friend in the colony and he called him Marty. And meanwhile, Mulder is watching as they take like this water and white clay or something and they basically rub it all over the unconscious man's body. I think yeah, brother kinda, Aaron. Yeah, it kind of looks like ectoplasm, honestly. Like yeah, it's like it's kind of leftover a, stuff. Yeah, it's like a white slime. It's weird, and it's kind of hard to tell what they're even doing because it's like Mulder's watching it, and there's like these like stalactites and stalagmites, and like he's like kind of watching in between, and so it's kind of weird. Yeah. So then again, because this is this is a very like we're back and forth scene. So then we yeah. go back to <laughs> we go back to we go back to Scully and Andrew. And he's telling her that Marty was different. And he asked her, like, how was he killing the people? And Scully's like, they're not sure, but all the victims died from cardiac arrest. And so he's like, well, he he poisons them, doesn't he? And Scully's like, why would you think that? Like, And he's like, well, I need to show you something. 
Right. So he go he starts to get down, he starts to head towards something at the bottom of the dresser. And he's starting to pull something out. And meanwhile, the kindred men all file out of the cave because apparently the women weren't part of this, or maybe they're there. It's kind of hard to tell because again, we're watching from like a weird perspective. And Mulder sneaks over to kind of investigate. And the cave has like a super like organic appearance and there's like weird stuff and like just he kind of heads toward the body. Yeah. So then again, we're back in the room and Andrew pulls out the stack of magazines and the top one is Dazzle magazine. (laughs) And he and Marty apparently found them on Route 44 because they like to hike around and explore the edges of their world. And like Marty apparently was really like fascinated by them. And Andrew, however, like found like he thought they were kind of cool, but he also found them really garish. But Marty like couldn't get enough. He even like loved like the paper because it was so glossy and he loved the beauty magazines. And so he says that he was captured by their world and left to become one of you. And I just want to say, like, this is really transcoded. And that's why, like, it becomes transphobic because the whole like, you know, it's just the, the lot of it is it's very I'm fascinated by these beauty magazines in this other world. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so then along with wet clay and water dripping down, Mulder finds like a strange membrane-like substance and he kind of like pushes on it. And it's definitely not the kind of thing you would find in a cave no, normally. It's very similar. It reminded me a lot of like, like if he was like in a big like beehive or something, that would be like where like the baby bees would come out. You know, kind of like yeah. a, almost like, not a cocoon, but like a little hole with a membrane over it. And then they would come out kind of thing or like wasps or something. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of that. Yeah. Which actually is, it makes a lot of sense that way because like, it is kind of like, yeah. weird. and I swear I've seen in a movie with aliens where they had something similar where like in the, like they had a very organic UFO and like, they were like, that's where they came from or slept or something like that it was like some kind of like, yeah, that sounds really familiar, but I can't figure out where that was. So he hears someone coming while he's poking at it. So he dives into this small like hole in the cave and tries to like crouch down. And while he's crouched down there, he overhears the kindred people saying like Scully's in the main house with brother Andrew, but the man who's Mulder is missing. And then Mulder looks over and he sees like a person, I guess it's brother Aaron kind of in this like little hole full of like goopy clay. And while he's looking at the body, the eyes open. Yeah. We never get anything more about that, though, which is interesting. Like, Well, he does mention it to Scully. but Right, but like we don't find anything about like whether he came back alive or what was going on with that. Right, yeah. yeah. So then we cut back to Scully and Andrew in the room, and she's asking him, like, like how is Marty killing them? Like, he keeps, like, you said he was different. Does it have anything to do with the ceremony that they had in the barn? Like, what is the thing? And so Andrew, like, takes her hand. And then he puts a hand on her face and he's like, Marty is different. We're all different. And then he kisses her. And then she's kind of like, she starts to like, like, what are you doing? But then like, just kind of like leans into it. And then they like, just fall onto the bed in the room. And meanwhile, Mulder was looking for Scully. We get a shot of him outside and he sees a light up in the house. And then as they like fall onto the bed, like Mulder busts into the room and he's like, get off of her oh, and they rush out of the house and there's a whole crowd of kindred there with her cool orange lanterns abby steps up and she's like we asked you not to intervene and so they have like a big staring contest and then finally like she steps aside and the kindred kind of part and Mulder and scully are able to leave 
And then Mulder does a little bit of victim blaming because he's like, Scully, what the hell were you doing back there? <laughs> right? Like, and she's like, I don't know what's going on. She's really dazed. And then as they're walking away, they like start passing barns and that kind of stuff. She like just pearls. So she's not feeling very well. Right. Yeah. Super rapey. Yeah. <laughs> and, almost, and and again, like super, like if we're talking like if this is like sort of like a date rape drug kind of thing, it's like Mulder's like, it's your fault. What were you doing back there? What the hell are you doing? It's like it's like she's not doing anything that she yeah. wants to be doing. I mean, That's... I mean, the decision to go into a room with a dude that they barely met who might be involved in a murder is kind of not maybe the best decision, but still. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's her job is to like. Yeah, but it maybe her job not to put herself at risk too. Yeah, it's true. So. But I mean, they're both putting themselves at risk sneaking around this place. Yeah. The woman from the beginning, who now we believe is probably Marty, tries to get the attention of this man on the phone. And he, again, like just brushes her off. Not interested. Doesn't care. He's talking to someone. It sounds like he might even be talking to like another woman, like a girlfriend. Yeah, because he's like, he's like, oh, come on, baby. Like, I didn't mean to ignore you, whatever, something like that. Yeah, so he's like apologizing. And then like Marty puts her hand on his and like suddenly he's not really interested in the phone call. And so, like, he's like, oh, hey. Well, she, like, rubs his hand. Yeah, because he yeah. was all like, hey, I'm having a conversation here. And, like, totally, like, like I think he even, like, uses his hand, like, to, like, hey, you know, get away, like, swatting a fly, like, go away. And she walks around to his other side and puts her <laughs> hand on his hand and starts, like, massaging it. And then that's when he goes all. Yeah, so, again, right. we're getting, we're, we're definitely getting, like, a vibe of, like, there's, like, almost, like, an aggressive, like, like you said, like rapey kind of thing going on. Cause it's not just yes. like, Oh, are you interested? And like, I'll touch you and I'll make you feel even better. It was kind of like, no, you're going to pay attention to me. I, I choose you. Right. It's so. very gross. Yeah. Now assuming like, we don't know for sure what's going on yet, but assuming like it is the pheromone thing and that Marty is the man and the woman and how everyone describes that it's obviously like the pheromones that are causing the biological reactions that are resulting right. in death. Right. Cause like even Mulder says like, it's like an anaphylactic shock. So is Marty like trying to kill people or is that just a side effect that he's like, Oh, well that's cool because I really like this experience and I'm dealing with it. And so we don't really get whether he's like a killer or if that's just like the side effect of him wanting to experience like life. I get it's the, I, I get the impression it's supposed to be that, it's like a price he's willing to pay or yeah. And the pronouns are really hard too. Cause like they do call Marty, he, and we never get Marty picking a pronoun. And so it's kind of hard. I'm going to go with he most of the time, I think, yeah. but like we don't get like an actual, whatever he identifies as. And I do think that it's just like, he wants the sex. So who cares if these people yeah. die? So it's callous. We but... do kind of get an answer to that later. Like I posed this question at this point. It made me think about like, Hey, you know, right. is he actually trying to kill people. And then later we actually do get sort of an we answer get, like, to that. Yeah. yeah. We get a little, Marty um, does kind of say he gets a little villain monologue. That... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in town, Scully's waiting in the car and Mulder comes out of a restaurant with two cups of coffee and he hands her one when he gets in the car and he's like, how are you doing? And she's like, she feels better, but she's now kind of mortified because obviously she didn't want to be making out with this guy. Mulder walked in on her like in this awful situation and she doesn't even really remember the kiss. She just kind of remembers feeling weird and then like stuff happened. So obviously it's very much like a drug. And she tells Mulder she knows who the killer is, or at least brother Andrew told her who the killer is. 
Uh, and Mulder tells her that the man who had choked at the dining table, Brother Andrew, was like buried in this hole in the wall, but was alive. And because his eyes had opened when Mulder was there. So like, that's weird. And then also his hair was different and it looked like maybe he was transforming or changing gender in some way. And Scully wonders if Brother Andrew was trying to kill her. And that's why he like drugged her or whatever. And Mulder's like, well, maybe it's the sex that kills. Yeah. So again, going to that, like the anaphylactic shock, it's the, it's not, it's not the intention. It's actually just a result of the action itself. Right. So then we cut to a couple making out, possibly having sex in the car. Woman's on top of the guy. He's in the driver's seat in the car. Cops like, Hey, 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 get out of the car. Come on, break it up. So, the woman gets out and the cop's like, hey, both of you guys get out. Come on. And then the guy starts having like an attack, like oh, like an attack. And the cop's like, what, what's going on? And then while he's doing that, boom, the female who got out of the car just totally cracks the cop across the head, knocks him to the ground. Mm-hmm. And they're having a scuffle. And when they're having a scuffle, the guy in the car, he's like, because the windows were all fogged up because it was getting hot and heavy in the car. He's like rubbing the windshield to see what's going on and he sees the person standing over the cop and they turn around and it's definitely a guy with short hair in the sweatshirt that the girl was wearing and then he runs off right so this man who was in the car michael is in the hospital and he's telling Mulder and scully that the woman was kind of a three <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so she was like on a, a scale of one to ten. She was only a three, but there was yeah. something. I think about- he says she was a kind three. Like, oh, give kind it, three. like calling her a three is being generous. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a super douchey thing to say. Yeah. And but there was something about her, and her touch was electric. And so, like after that, he doesn't really remember anything. And Mulder asked if there was anything unusual about the woman, and then Michael gets kind of embarrassed, and like he's like. This is off the record, right? Or whatever. And Mulder's like, yeah. And he's like, well, when she was fighting with the cop, she looked like a man. And then he's like, the club scene used to be so simple. Like he's lamenting this. And then he's like, this is off the record. This is off the record. Like this has to be off the record. And Scully's like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's off the record. So as they leave Michael's hospital room, Scully says they can't rule out the fact that this suspect is some kind of crossdresser or transvestite. And another officer runs up to them to let them know that one of the credit cards that was stolen from the murder scene in D.C. was just used to buy takeout eight blocks away. So now they have a location where the suspect might be. Yep. So honestly, this part is like the super grossest part. And it's obviously like because Michael needs to know that no one might possibly hear that he might have slept with someone who was like male presenting or a man yeah and this is where even manly-ish kind of thing yeah Yeah. and so this is where it gets super homophobic and transphobic and it plays again on that trope that trans women are somehow trying to trick straight men into like sleeping with men and that they're secretly men in disguise and that you know it's going to be revealed that they're actually men and that's like so gross and so wrong and not true at all and this is just like the epitome of that trope so it's super gross also michael is played by nicholas lee and X-Files fans will recognize that name. He comes back in season two and he plays agent Alex Krychek. So it was kind of weird to see him because you're like, I mean, Krychek's kind of an asshole too, if I remember correctly. He's kind of a douche. <laughs> it was so weird. It's like, oh. Well, and also there's some there's some other weird connections too, because I know like just from my memory and from like reading stuff, I know whether it's him or not him, 
there is like some alien shapeshifter stuff that happens in X Files later that he's involved with, and so yes. the fact that this episode is like a a shapeshifter, where we want to say it a gender switcher. I mean, I guess it's not really a shapeshifter because it's always the same female body that's used, and it's always the same male body that's used. So it's not like they're really like shape shifting; like they can be anybody. It's just like right. male presenting version, female presenting version of the same character. So, but there's also that weird little tie to it as well. Yeah. So anyway, it's not Crycheck, as far as we know. It's just some douchebag named Michael. Yeah, it's definitely, and that's where, and that's where I'm. I when we get when we get more into it later, or whether we will or not, I'm sure we will. But like, that's where I'm having because it's not. I don't think that it's written to be transphobic or homophobic. It's just written that this character is transphobic and homophobic. And I don't know, and that the bad part is, is though I don't know that it's written to intentionally make the character homophobic and transphobic. It's just that like that's that was the normal back then. That's was like, you know, that was the that was the non-mark status was to feel that way. And so writing someone like that was normal. And so yeah. that's that's and that's where I have that problem of like like is it is it character is it is it written to be gross or is it just like it's a character who's gross and so like it's like i can see both parts because like it's written right. that way like the character is written to be gross but i don't think the character is written on purpose to be gross it's just that that's how people felt back then so that's why it's gross so mm, yeah i think the fact that people felt that way though is part of the problem well no and that's also... that, and that, well and that's what i'm saying is that that yeah. is part of the problem because like i said that's the non-mark status that's the normal status right when you don't have to specify something that's just what we treat as how everyone thinks everyone thinks that would be gross right and that's not the case but it's just a super common trope that is used all the time with trans women that they're like somehow tricking dudes or whatever and that's yeah. not the case and they are women and so this whole like oh but she's really a man like it's just really gross and problematic and she, yeah, yeah not good so we cut to the scene and again we're going to assume this is marty but this is marty in female state and they're standing at a window and they're getting their 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 villain monologue on because they're talking about how it's always been forbidden to do what I'm doing. But after the first time they did it, they couldn't help themselves. The they referring to themselves, right? And that touching a human is just so irresistible, whether it be a man or a woman, and they can't help themselves. And so we're definitely starting to get like some idea of why things are happening in a way, right. I guess. Yeah. And so we, then we cut to Mulder and Scully. They're rushing up some stairs, calling for backup. So they're at the, lo they're, they're at the location. They got the tip that like, you know, there was an order for takeout at this location. Apparently we're at that location now. And Mulder and Scully with some of their police are like getting ready to head in. So then we cut back to the room and we find out that Marty is actually talking to a dead person on the bed and telling them that like, you know, at some point the others are going to come for them because the day is coming and they won't leave without me. But that also like the feeling that the human feels during sex that ends up causing their death is also the same feeling that Marty feels. So like, it's like they both feel such a strong feeling, but apparently because Marty is different, the kindred are different. It actually doesn't cause them to like die, but he still gets that same big rush 
like we got in that first scene the guy was like you know the guy was like just like over the top amazed at how great the sex was right and was like losing his mind and then he starts to die so apparently marty gets that same feeling which is why they are like addicted to it and so we start to get that idea of like it's just the fact that like they've resigned themselves like oh it's going to kill people when i do that but it feels so good i'm going to keep doing it right so Mulder knocks and he's like delivery because he's trying to get in. <laughs> no one answers. Yep. So then he bursts in and Scully's right behind him and she sees the body and Marty's kind of like behind the door and hits Scully over the head with something. And then Marty hits Mulder and like, I think it's in the hallway that she hits Mulder or they hit Mulder. Yep. So then while he's like on the floor, he's, he's still conscious and he sees that Marty shifts from a female presenting form to a male presenting form and then runs away. Yeah. And I think they actually knock Mulder out of the apartment because then when he falls down, he is outside the apartment in like the main right. hallway. Yeah. But I think like they strike Mulder and knock him out of the apartment is what happens. Right. And so then Scully collects herself and she rushes out of the room. Mulder's still on the ground and he's like, Scully down the stairs. Cause he like still can't get up and he's still kind of dazed. And so Scully like, runs on the stairs and bursts out of a door that leads into an alley and she pulls her gun and there's a man in the alley and he's wearing only underwear socks and a sweatshirt which is i believe the same thing marty was wearing earlier mm-hmm. yeah because we did get female. we did get uh, like them walking around and we get like shot to their feet with like some little knitted socks on right like that. yeah and then like the kindred appear all around and one of them tackles Marty and Scully's got her gun out and she orders him to step away. And so like brother Andrew approaches and like, she's like, stop, stop. And like, whatever. But like, he keeps coming towards her and then she starts lowering her gun, like almost like she can't help it. And Mulder comes running and calls for her and Andrew uses the distraction to like hit her and like run away. And I have to say, like, just from the first season alone, like, we're on episode 14, like, Agent Scully is going to have, like, early onset dementia from all the headshots she gets. Like, she just is constantly getting, like, boom, knocked out in the head. Like, Yeah, she gets a lot of head injuries. I mean, I mean, it doesn't seem to have been a gun. Usually she gets whacked with a gun, like, boom, rifles or pistols or something. But, yeah, she takes a lot of hits to the head. Yeah, it's not fun so, for Scully. Yeah. <laughs> And I have to say, so if Marty's supposed to be wearing, we assume it's like women's underwear. And later we do get a close up and it's like a little spotted, like, you know, women's underwear. But you like totally stretched the crap out of that underwear because, like, when Scully, like, in the alley, we get the shot and it's definitely like, you know, male presenting with a sweatshirt. But that underwear is like super baggy. It's like he's like a medium and like the underwear is like an extra large. It's like really like just baggy baggy underwear which if it was women's underwear and we all know that as when he's male presenting he's larger it seems like it would be tighter but yeah maybe they didn't want to do that because then there would be sensors or something i don't know so and then the kindred when they appear and disappear it's not like we see them like run into the alley and run away it's like we see shadows on the walls and then we get like this like sound effect and then the people are there and like when they grab marty and disappear we like see the shadows on the wall and the shadows fade and we get the and then everyone's gone so we never actually see their like we see their physical bodies when they're like tackling marty but we never see them like appear and disappear it's always just like weird spooky shadows (laughs) so yeah so then Mulder and scully are standing at the back of an ambulance and it's like i think they have like coffee there too like maybe there's like giving out coffee at the ambulance or something i don't know but some detective walks up and is like okay we got roadblocks set up and there's no way they're going to get out and Mulder's like well even if they 
if they do get out, there's only one place they would go. And so then we cut to it's daytime now, suddenly. And sheriffs have like, they've got four wheel drive now. Woo! And so they just drive right up to the Kindred's buildings. Boom. Cause they don't need to worry about like stopping and walking a mile. Cause they got four wheel drive and Scully and Mulder are with them, but everyone is gone. And so Mulder runs into the barn and he opens the cellar door and it's like totally sealed off. It actually looks like, like Empire Strikes Back, like carbonite chamber. Like it's yeah. like a solid wall. It's like, I'm guessing we're supposed <laughs> to be like that clay or cement or something. Probably supposed to be that, like that clay they do with everything. Right. But like, it totally looks like, like carbonite. Like you should see like hand. So like just all stuck <laughs> in or something. But one of the sheriffs runs, one of the sheriff officer runs in and tells Mulder they found something in the hay field. And so they go out. And Scully's like, how could they just appear like that? They didn't have any means of transportation. And Mulder's like, no earthly means of transportation. And then we pull up and we see that Mulder and Scully are in the middle of... uh, It's a really badly made crop circle if it's supposed to be a crop circle. I know. It's it's supposed to be a crop circle. Yeah. It's like just a circle. Like there's It just looks like, yeah, like if you had a big group of people who were standing in a circle and were like moving around, that's what would have been made. So... But, and then that's the end. That's yep. all we get. All we get. Mm-hmm. I will say, in his defense, we have talked about the whole Morgan and Wong thing and how I have a thing against Morgan. So Wong actually thinks that the crop circle is really bad and <laughs> thinks it's not a good ending. But anyway, so I'm like, yeah. Wong's Morgan. right. Team Wong. Right, I'm also team Morgan. That's but... right. Wong, you got it. Boom. He's and then Morgan Wong. says something that, sounds like morgan so i'm not even gonna bring it up so <laughs> yep but yeah. i kind of want to know <laughs> <laughs> i like morgan i like his thoughts <laughs> i don't know yeah so this episode is um yeah it happened it exists and it is part of the show yep that's about all. So um, this episode actually does appear first on Vulture's list of 10 most embarrassing X-Files episodes. Uh, the list are, I guess, that it's in chronological order. Yeah. So it's so not like why. it's ranked number one, but it is yeah. like the first one on the most embarrassing X-Files episodes, which I found by searching like transphobia in the X-Files because I was trying to see what people had like said about this yeah. episode, specifically think, like trans no, people. But... No, I was going to say, I think this is actually the only one from the first season, which I found strange, but actually no. I think there's one more. because It's Roland, Roland is on there, which we yeah, haven't Roland. seen yet, and I don't right. remember. So, uh, <laughs> And also um, Shapes is on there as well. Oh, yeah, Shapes. Yep, that's right. Which yeah. I, I don't know much about, but a friend did tell me that it kind of problematically appropriates like a native legend or an indigenous legend. Well, of course legend, it does, because, so. yeah. <laughs> which that's what, that's what basically all media does that has to do with Native American. So yeah. yeah so yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that when we get to that. That'll be another yes. Fun thing. Yes. Definitely. So that was a fun list. I highly recommend that instead of watching this episode, you watch Disclosure on Netflix. It's about two hours. It's a documentary where trans people talk about trans representation in the media throughout the years, and it's really, really good. And it also explains like we'll get into it a little but part of why like these tropes are so harmful and why they're so damaging and how there needs to be more trans representation so that tropes like this well you know they obviously exist in the past and stuff but like you know the more representation you have the less harmful crappy representation is and that's for any queer group or any group really period like the more representation there is 
the less damaging bad representation is going to be, even though it's not fun to have that. Like if there's a ton of it, you can kind of ignore the bad stuff. Whereas if all you have is the bad stuff, obviously that's a huge problem. So. Yeah. Interestingly enough, since we reference shapes as well, which does have, is going to have, is definitely going to have problems. I can oh, guarantee yes. it's going to have problems. That is also the first X-Files episodes written by a, a woman. Huh? So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, representation doesn't solve everything i guess no it doesn't. well then that's yeah. where intersexuality or intersectionality comes in because like obviously yeah. it wasn't written by like an indigenous woman right i'm gonna guess and so you know if it had been maybe it would no i'm i'm probably problem. gonna guess it was written by a white woman i'm going <laughs> I'm to gonna guess. guess probably yes. so. so i'll have yeah. to look that up when we get to that episode but yeah i'm guessing not yeah um so yeah disclosure on netflix super good highly recommend um worth your time and it's just it's entertaining too it's funny too because there was like a trans man on there talking about how when he was a kid, his favorite movie was Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which was one of my favorite movies as a kid. And he's like, but that movie is so like, the ending is awfully trans. It's like the worst transphobia in the world. And like, they showed a clip of it. And I had forgotten like how I knew it was bad. Cause I knew like Ace freaks out after he realizes that he made out with Einhorn and Einhorn has transitioned into a woman. And like, so he freaks out and that's really gross. But like, I'd forgotten that there's like the scene where the whole police department finds out and like throws up and stuff. Like it's that bad. It's awful. And it's just interesting to hear like these people who had to like grow up with that. And like, that's how some of them figured out that they were trans. <laughs> it's like these awful well, representations. And also like eight, Ace Ventura <laughs> Pet Detective notably released the same year as this episode. Yeah. So, and, it, it, and that movie had like problems with mental illness representation all sorts of issues i haven't seen it in a good decade or two but like yeah i'm sure it's awful now <laughs> loved it as a kid but yeah and then to jump to another trope like the crying game was released in 1992 yes so and yeah. that was the so same thing the so. 90s were not a good time i mean not that i mean right. i think now like we talked about like i think now more people are aware but it's not like everything's you know rainbows and unicorns now no, either so it's not yeah and also, there, um, I was looking up, I was trying to find people on YouTube or like people who had written articles about this episode, particularly people who are trans. I didn't find a lot. I didn't, I found a lot of articles that talk about like the transphobia in the X-Files and it kind of goes over different episodes, including this one, that have problems, but I didn't find anything specifically about this episode. Um, so if anyone, wa if, if you have those, like, please send them to me. I would love to read them or watch the YouTube videos. What I did find was there's a YouTube channel called Going Rampant that does break down the transphobia in this episode pretty well. And it does point out that, like, and I agree with this, like, the person who does the video says, like, the gender switching doesn't need to be there because this is a colony of aliens with weird hormones. And I like we'll talk about that in a minute, but I think that's true. Like, I don't even think it needs to be. And like, one of the really problematic things is this is an alien who can switch genders. So presumably we can see this person being a man and then turning into a woman after sex and having that be like, oh, this dude was really a woman, but that never happens. It's only the, the trope of like, the woman turns out to be the man and that's what we see on screen, which obviously is that super problematic trope. So like the way they did it was like kind of the worst way they could have done it. Yeah. So that's, and so it kind of hammers on both the homophobia and the transphobia in that. Episode. So we get the, we, we get the understanding that, I mean, even, you know, with the kindred, if they, I mean, we get a hint that maybe they're all capable of doing that with you know, the, know. with the body and the thing, but it may be because he does mention like Marty is different. 
But then we never get, but then he also says like, we're all different and never explains how Marty is different from all of them being different. So like, is he just saying like, is that one of the things like, I'm going to tell you something, but not tell you everything. So when he says we're all different, then he's like exposing all the truth. And that's what he originally meant. Or is there actually something different about Marty as well that maybe lets him control it? Because we get the idea like when the, you know, when brother Adam chokes and we assume dies. Right. And then they rub stuff all over him and then he goes in the hole and then Mulder sees him and he's got like long hair, like long dark hair. And it's like, so when they're re like, if they're being like reborn, do they like, do they like switch genders every time they're reborn? So they go back and forth and maybe Marty has the ability to do it like on demand. Like we don't, we don't, we don't ever get an idea of like what's going on with that. Right. So. Which I got to say, that's one of my big problems with this episode too. Like, not that you should put these horrible transphobic or homophobic things aside, but if you do, like, even still, I think the episode doesn't work for me because you have like this cool alien cult. You could do so much with it. And I was thinking like they could have had like a series of murders and then had them go up to this town and they could have had people in the town talk about like these, you know, weird things that happen or like, a weird encounter or a weird death that happened that's unexplained and like oh it's almost time for those lights in the sky and Mulder will be like what and they'll be like yeah every 10 years or every 30 years there's like these lights in the sky around now or something like that that would like kind of come back to the day that Marty talks about where they're gonna leave I don't know just like there could have been other things that they could have done with it I feel like there's a ton of potential there and I feel like they tried to do like 500 things in this episode and didn't really do any of them very well well i think they wanted to get the hook and this is one of the things they mentioned is that like they needed to find a way to make sex scary in an x-files way and so like that was the way they i'm not saying that was the best way to choose it but that's what they chose right i do have to say though like i mentioned like the x-files is gonna go heavy into like shape-shifting aliens later in episodes yes and no one finds that problematic and the aliens do take on both male and female forms when right. they're switching shapes. The problem here, I think, is that it ends up revolving around like, like sexual acts, and so it it makes it more of a thing. And I'm not saying it's a fact that it's sexual acts, but it's like how people interact with each other as genders, and that's why it becomes a problem, is because of that. So it's kind of like, like I don't like. Personally, I don't have a problem with the shape-shifting and it being gender. It is strange, like I mentioned, that it's really not shape-shifting. It is definitely, like we can say it's shape-shifting, but it really is not shape-shifting. It is, it is total, like, gender swapping. Right. Because it's not like I can take on any form, which the aliens themselves later are. Like, you know, they're like, oh, I thought I was talking to Scully. Oh, it wasn't Scully. I thought I was talking to, you know... Mulder's dad. Oh, it's not Mulder's dad, right? And it turns out it's a shape-shifting alien. Right. So, well, that's different, and I think that's different in part because of how it's presented, and because this does play on those transphobic, like right. This woman is trying to trick men, and that's what trans women do. They're not real women. They're trying to trick men, and they're trying to appropriate femininity, and like all the turf crap, like that they're trying to steal like femininity and women's rights but then they're all they're just men in disguise and they're trying to like take all this stuff and like use men and like it's just it's so gross and like this episode plays right into those tropes and i think that's why this is problematic and like aliens who just shapeshift and look like 
you know, like Cylons, they look like other people. That's not the same thing. And so I think that's why this one is such a bad... Right, but I wonder... And that's the other thing, too, because we assume with Marty that Marty is, like, if he had to... And I I say he because of what I'm about to say. If he had to choose a form, I think his natural form is male presenting. Because like you said, we never get the shots of, as a man, he, you know, someone dies and then he switches back to a woman. It's like the woman is the not natural state for him. And so that's where it becomes a problem because it's like, I'm posing as a woman, but I'm really a man. Yeah. And so that's where we get. And I, and I totally agree with that. Yeah. So, and it's just, I mean, for me, like, even if you leave like the shape shifting in, like it just, the episode is just doing so many things and I feel like they could have done different things <laughs> it could have been better they did not do those things and so it just kind of goes all over the place and it just wasn't for me it's not a good episode for yeah. any reason i didn't i mean we'll and we'll get to this when we do the ratings i actually don't think it's that bad of an episode right. it does have problems but we've definitely had episodes that had oh, problems yeah. as well and i mean you know like whether it's like bad special effects problems or like plot hole problems like this kind of problem is definitely a more cultural problem than someone like writing a bad script or using bad, you know, special effects. But I think the story itself still has like a lot of the stories do. They have potential. It's just like, how do you like rank? Yeah. It, right? And how do you adjust it? It's just, this one has a more, especially now. I mean, not that it wasn't a problem then because if it wasn't a problem, then we wouldn't be discussing this because it would right. probably been the way it was, but it's definitely, like I said, it's it's people are more aware of it now. Right. And it's more and people were probably aware of it then. Oh yeah. It's just you, <laughs> you know, you there were there were there were probably risks of being out in the open about it. Right. Well, and, and saying that's like, the thing is like, saying like who... I think this is a problem. And so a lot of people maybe thought it was a problem, but they were silent because right. you know, the majority or... sense. There so. just weren't people working on the show with that kind of knowledge, and that you know that's why we need diversity in media because if right. you just have a bunch well, of white dudes, like from like, a viewer, like from a viewer point show. of view, right? Yeah. And, yeah oh, obviously. I'm sure from a viewer point of view, even back then, I'm sure people were like, yeah. Mm, but yeah, obviously, okay. if there were if there were creators who had that sort of viewpoint, then maybe someone might have actually stood up and said, like, um, you know, while I don't think it's written with this intent, it can be seen that way, and that's the problem: is that intent or not when you're dealing with like aggression and harassment of any form intent doesn't matter because I can like totally offend someone and not even be aware I'm offending them, not even right. mean to offend them, but that doesn't matter. Right. If you cause harm, it doesn't matter that you didn't right. Whether I meant to cause harm or not. Right. And that's and one so, of the things that we're, I think as white people we're having to reckon with a lot lately, which is good. We should have reckoned with it a long time ago, but the idea that just because we don't intend to cause harm, we still can be whether or not we're it's something we're doing or just being in a system that supports that harm or whatever. And we have to like find ways to make it better, even though we're not trying to hurt anybody. Yeah. And I think that's true here too. Yeah. And then just speaking to the episode, like I feel like we don't really get, there's so much. Like, so this is why my other issue with the episode is like, we didn't really learn much about the aliens. Like you said, we don't know if they can all shift like that, or if that's just something that happens when they like die and regenerate. We don't really get anything about like, when did they land? What's their purpose? Like, I mean, obviously well, we're not going to well, get we don't everything. Even know, we obviously don't even know that they're aliens. Right. Are they aliens or do they just worship aliens? There's human are they, DNA like, in these pheromones. They, they apparently can like appear and disappear 
Right. And so, like, are they are they transporting? Are they interdimensional? Are you know what's going on with them? Are they are they are they like are, are they supernatural? Yeah. And so I just felt like that could have been more interesting to explore that stuff instead of the yeah. constant bar scenes. But that's me. I'm not that into bar scenes or whatever anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Chris Carter also said this. Is just, I read this and I like laughed because it's like, it's so ridiculous. But like someone asked him if he was worried about offending the Amish with this episode by turning them into like weird aliens. And like, he's like, oh no, the Amish don't watch TV. <laughs> Yeah, and that's like with everything being like, said, dude, dude, whether we think on. there's intent or not, <laughs> a problem is still a problem. Right. So, but this comment from him, when when I read that you put that in there, and then I actually saw because we have a lot of the same books, right? I actually saw in the book that says that statement. I was like, this is like that. I think that statement almost bothered me more than the episode, which may or may not say something about me because again, you know, cisgendered white male, but. Like, I took that as like, oh, it's okay. I'm not worried about offending black people when I showed up in blackface because I know new black people would be at the party. It's like, what? Just because like people aren't going to see it doesn't mean you can offend people. And like, right. But yeah, and I, I mean, think that's, they I mean made... that's like, that's like the hyperbole of the statement is taking it that far. But still, it's right. like, that's, that's where that kind of thinking goes. It's like, it's okay to do this to someone. And so it's also okay to do this to someone else. And it's like, no, it's not okay to do any of that, actually. Right. And I think it would have been better, honestly, if they had spent more time establishing the kindred. And they could have, like, definitely, you know, made the distinction very clear from the Amish. And they could have just explored that more. And it would have been, I think, a more interesting episode overall anyhow. So. (laughs) Yeah. And if we are, I mean, Chris Carter was definitely, like, all on board for, like, the crop circle thing to show their aliens. Like, like, for him, that is like, yep, we just specified they're totally aliens because it's a crop circle. And Wong is like, yeah, I don't know about that. It's kind of sloppy and kind of lazy and doesn't look that great. Because Wong is, I'm I'm definitely team Wong. (laughs) But, like, even if they are aliens... Can we can we narrow down the aliens? We have like every episode that we have aliens is like a totally different kind of alien, like, which is fine. I mean, maybe there's lots of aliens out there. That's well, cool. then That's and they're universe. just all hanging out, not having like intergalactic war in the sky constantly. They're just like, okay, cool. You get to be in Massachusetts, and you get to be in Oregon, and you get to be here. <laughs> like, like they're not like having like intergalactic battles over planet Earth. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's like let's just pick a alien species please (laughs) it's already like oh yeah like for one alien species to travel you know across the universe to get here but no we've got like a dozen of them here anyway unless they're just an alien worshiping cult with weird magic clay which also wasn't clear (laughs) possibly i mean i kind of like the whole like mm, I i don't know i again like you said we don't get like we don't delve into them enough to get any kind of thing. I kind of like the whole like supernatural aspect of them, like where they're like appearing as shadows and then they're there and then they disappear. I don't know how that relates to the whole like, you know, changing genders to have sex. And that's the other thing too, is that like, and we mentioned this a little bit, if you if you're interested in having sex with a man and a woman, you don't have to swap genders to do that. Nope. You can just be who you are and be like you know what i like men i like women i like what i like and that's my business and not yours so you know it's it's 
it's it becomes my business when you're like killing people because of it but right then yeah that's <laughs> yeah, the murdery part makes it still bad but yeah and also the pheromone drug thing where they're not consenting that's true so yeah, none of this is really yeah, there's a good many levels of bad yeah <laughs> so. yeah so it's like it's like you know love is the drug because he's addicted to it he she they are marty is addicted to it and doesn't you know the fact that it kills people for him to get his hit doesn't seem to bother Right. Doesn't matter. So, Those people are inconsequential. Yeah. So Yeah. I am very surprised though. Like in all the books I read, the only book that mentioned the witness, because like, you know, the whole Amish ties thing is actually the book that talks solely about locations. Huh. And so they're talking about the location setting and like trying to get that like Amish feel and they mention witness. But like that's the first thing I thought of when I saw this. I mean that in the crying game because of the bad stuff, right? So but yeah. Yeah. Because Witness came out in, oh, Witness came out in '85, so it's a little bit okay. earlier, but still, I so mean, a little while. I mean, I guess maybe because you think there's not a whole lot of representation of Amish people in culture because they don't participate in culture, and when it does, it's usually bad stereotypes. But yeah, so Witness and Amish Paradise are, like, <laughs> you know, my only. Which I love Weird Al. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his Jurassic Park song is like one of my favorite songs of all time. You know what? I know that song and I know I've heard it and I know I liked it. But at the moment, I cannot for the life of me think, what is it? What is it? Is it one of his originals or is it? No, it's like a parody of MacArthur Park. Oh, the cake left out in the rain. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know I've heard that then. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to think like, what is that song? Mm -hmm. So no, Weird Al is amazing. So yeah. Weird Al. That's what <laughs> I love how we get like all the way through and we're like, Cultural okay, Weird Al's awesome. Weird Al. yes. Yeah, that, protect that guy. He's cool. Um, okay. He was also a huge part of my childhood. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's, I uh, guess it's time to do the business. We yep, got to rate ratings. this episode. Yep. This yep. one is, this will not surprise anyone, I don't think, but it's a one for me. Ooh. Yeah, I would recommend that you just skip it. There's not really any value to it as far as I'm concerned. Like it doesn't really forward Mulder or Scully's journeys at all or their character development. I feel like Scully kind of gets like date raped a little. Yeah, <laughs> and like I mean, it's just it's uncomfortable. Yeah. The whole episode is so uncomfortable. It's like awful and it's got all these awful tropes and it's super uncomfortable. And then also I don't feel like it's well written or well done. And like it's just not interesting to me. I would just recommend skipping it and move on with your life. Yeah. I will say, like you mentioned, when you mentioned Disclosure yes. on Netflix, and you said, instead of watching this, watch Disclosure. Yes. I would, I would disagree. I think in addition to watching this, you should yeah. maybe, maybe you should watch Disclosure after watching this so that you can see what a lot of the issues are if you yeah, watch it and don't see the issues. Too. So I, I admit I haven't seen it. But like I said, I think we're on the same page. Like, oh yeah, one hundred percent. We we there's like some nuance going on. I think a little bit in what we think, but that's. that's I think life, we both right? agree, agree that trans yeah. people are valid and these tropes are harmful. Uh, and absolutely, yes. So and so to lead into that, I would disagree that you should skip this episode because I if there's if there's one thing about this, like this episode is beautifully shot. It is. It is like, and I'm looking forward to the fact that this is the director's first episode and that he's going to direct several, you know, at least like 30 and a half more, I think. Right. Definitely over 30. 
I don't have my spreadsheet up and I'm not going to pull it up. So I'm not going to do the count here. <laughs> it's okay. But I know he definitely, I think it's like 35, 36 episodes altogether that he directs. And I think he's actually the director of the movie as well. Oh, nice. I believe. So of the first movie, I should specify the first film. So like, I'm looking forward to that because it's definitely very well shot. Yeah. He's a good director. And I'm glad like whether you skip it or not, you're going to get to see a lot of his work in the series, which is great. I think that if you want to watch it, that's totally cool. I would probably, I mean, you know, it's totally up to you. Yep. The the listener, obviously, Nick already watched it, so it's not. I really watched up it. To him yeah. Thanks, Tori. A little late <laughs> on the advice. <laughs> anyway, you got to give your rating. I'm going to give my rating. So let's see. I'm actually in. I'm I'm in that spreadsheet right now. Tori one. Okay. Yep. All right. And. I am going to go with, I was thinking about this because I, I had a number in my head, but I actually did want to look at my previous numbers to get my framing reference here. Let's see. Okay. So I am going to give it a, I'm going to give it a five actually. Okay. Yeah. Because I do think it has potential. There's a lot of stuff in there that I think. I mean, yes, it has. It has. It definitely has issues. A lot of the episodes do. Yes. And like we said, this this issue just happens to be maybe an issue that is more more problematic in culture as a whole, as opposed to just being like you didn't do. Like I said, like you didn't write good. You left some plot holes. You had bad CGI, that kind of thing. So, but I still think that it is yeah i'm gonna give it a five so dead center cool not great not horrible i think it's very well shot i think the story itself has potential that was perhaps unrealized again like we mentioned in the beginning this is a one and done writing team for the x-files mm-hmm. so I'm, i've been trying to figure this out because like we, we talked about how like chris carter and morgan and wong and gordon gonza is it gonza or ganza i'm not sure I don't know either. So yeah, Al- so Howard Gordon, Alec Ganza, Glenn Morgan, James Wong, and then Chris Carter are kind of like they're like like the holy. What would that be with five people? Fivety of like the X Files, <laughs> at least for season one, right? And so, and then we have like like E was written by like a one and done team, really good one and done team in my opinion. Yes, but I've been trying to figure out like are these people submitting scripts to Chris Carter? This one, from what I read, it sounds like he hired them to write a script, Larry Barber and Paul Barber, who are brothers. And when he got it, apparently there was a lot of stuff that got reworked in it. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't necessarily as happy with it. And then like did a lot of work to it, but it sounds almost like he like said, Hey, can you guys write me an episode? And we want And he gave them like some ideas. Like we wanted, we want this one to be about like sex. We want to make sex scary kind of thing. So, but then when he got it, he was kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. And they did some rewrites. They were happy. Apparently at one point, like crotches were going to rot away as like the thing that kills people. Oh, so, yeah. That's cool. I remember reading that. Yeah. So glad they got rid of that. Plus, how would you show that on network television? Well, that's, I think, why they got rid of it. <laughs> like, there's no way they'd get that past the censors. Like, yeah. How are you going to show that? So, yeah. yeah. But so there was some stuff, but apparently that was, but the intention of this episode was to like make sex, like the act of sex something that kills people and that's why it's an x-file and so we ended up getting like an alien cult and 
not so cool gender swapping and <laughs> transphobia and homophobia and all kinds of fun stuff as well. Oh, Yay, nineties. Woo. Anyway, so but yeah. But I think that's how it, I think that's how it happens. I think he actually contacts people and says, "Hey, you know, like we're in a bind. We got we're doing a weekly show and shit. We had like one good idea. Can you please give us like some? Can you please write something for us?" So I think right. he gives. I think it sounds like he gives them parameters. Probably like I don't he know if hires the, the freelancers with, and then he's like, "Here's yeah. a series bible. Here's what we need." Yeah. Although for Eve, it sounded it like they submitted it to him because like they named it because it was kind of like a take on like the boys from Brazil. Like they originally named it like the girls from Greenwich. So it, I'm not sure case by case, but this one definitely sounds like he contacted them. Hey, can you please write me a script? And then they sent it to him based right. on what kind of parameters he had in mind. So, yeah, I don't know how that works with the expos. I know different TV shows have different systems, but like usually there's already like a writing team. So it's kind of weird that so many of these were like, I don't know how that worked at all. I don't know. Well, like I said, I think maybe, you know, they was like, you're like, Hey, we got, this is a cool idea for a show. And then now suddenly we need to like crank out like 23 more episodes. Right. So let's hire some people to yeah, help us we out. Need some help. And... We're like, you know, whether we're falling behind or budget stuff. They all, this one also was supposed to be very non techie. They didn't want to have like any technology involved with it. So... Oh, cause they wanted to save the budget. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know if they like took that literally and we're like, Oh, non-technology Amish. I don't know if that was like, like why we got this. As alien well. cult that so, lives in the woods and churns butter, and also for some reason really likes sex with people, so they forbid it. But like, who yeah. knows what's going well, on? Well, one yeah. does. Okay, <laughs> one rogue. I don't. I got the impression that they all like. I don't know because Andrew seemed to kind of want to get into it with Scully. So well, it seems almost like the, maybe the reason why they are so like separated from society and they're like what is what is what did scully call it they're like christian purity or something like maybe it's because they know like if you're like an alcoholic you're like yeah i'm not gonna go to a bar because i really like alcohol so maybe that's something they intentionally set themselves apart from maybe because they realize the like effect it has on them and so it is they, they know what their drug is and so they separate themselves from it that would make again sense. again we don't know because we didn't go into that no, we didn't really get much about them at all. So it was kind of no. weird. And it would be cool if like a lot of these ideas that have potential would come back. But I don't think any of them ever do. Like, I don't think we're ever going to see Eve 6 and 9 and 10 again. I don't think we're ever going to see the Kindred again. So, which is in a way kind of a shame, maybe. Although maybe with the Kindred, it's good that we don't, depending <laughs> on how this episode went. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one in five. All right. And next episode, we've got Dead People Come Back to Life, I think. Oh. Yeah. I, mean, I don't even know the name of next week's episode. It's That's... called Lazarus. Oh. Oh. Okay. So... I don't remember much about it, but I know it's one of the really like popular ones, or at least one that's oh, okay. talked about a lot. So. Okay. I don't it remember it at all. I'm just basing it on the name, much like the way when like Space came out, I was like, oh, <laughs> it might have aliens. When Fire came out, oh, it might be pyrokinetics, right? <laughs> With a name like Lazarus, I'm going to be like, oh, it might be dead people come back to life. I mean, Eve wasn't about the Bible. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, we'll see, I guess. All right. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag really just a bedroom closet. Episode production, editing and mixing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians. 
Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to help us improve the podcast and reach more listeners. You can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our show notes. Every episode, we have show notes that include short summaries, research materials, and how to contact us online. In addition, today's show notes will have links to the videos that Tori mentioned. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like The X-Files, we'd be happy to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode 15, Lazarus. And try to figure out if the the truth truth is still out there. Okay.